0: Hi, I'm Rebecca Lowe, host of NBC's coverage of the Premier League. Welcome along to the very first episode of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates, as well as exclusive on-site access. We're going to kick things off with our Transfer Deadline Day special, which we're going to release in two parts. Here's part one. Hope you enjoy. Just under an hour to go in the 2019 summer transfer window. This is what you need to know Romelu Lukaku has left Manchester United. He's been in Milan all day. He has now sealed a $90 million move to Inter Milan. That one's been coming for a while, but the David Luiz transfer came out of the blue. And it's from blue to red he goes. The Chelsea defender is set to join Arsenal. Not yet over the line, though. Cross North London. And Tottenham have had a decent window, but can they make it better? Their latest target is 19-year-old Ryan Sessegnon from Fulham. It's not done yet, but we still have time to get the forms signed. Also today, in terms of Spurs, Giovanni Lo the Argentinian midfielder, looking set to make his move to Tottenham from Real. Betis, again, not yet totally done. In the last 30 minutes, Sky Sports, I can tell you, are reporting, though, that Wilfred Zaha, despite putting in a transfer request at Crystal Palace yesterday is staying at the South London Club. The Crystal Palace manager, Roy Hodgson, spoke to Sky at the ground just a few minutes ago.
1: The key thing was that everyone was worried about Wilfred Zahar going,
2: but he, he's staying?
3: Yes, he's staying, yep. Absolutely, we're pleased about that, of course. He's an important player for the club and I'm really looking forward to him doing this year or this season what he's done for the last two seasons.
1: How is it moment? Is, is he going to get integrated back into the team OK? Is there any worries there at all?
3: No. I mean, obviously, today he wasn't really in the right frame of mind, so I I sent him home today, which is understandable. Last day, transfer window. It's been well documented that he's, you know, wanted to leave, but it's not worked out for him in that respect. So uh, he's a professional. He's got a good contract with us. He's very much a a player that we respect, and I I believe he respects us here at the... Football uh, stadium or the, the training ground, so we expect him to come back and do what he does, and uh, we're looking forward to a season with him again.
1: He certainly respects you because I know you don't do social media, but he always tweets about you, so it might have helped as well. But that's the importance is that you do have a good relationship with him.
3: Oh, I think everyone here has a good relationship with him, so there's not a problem with that. I mean, his his beef, unfortunately, is with the with the chairman and owners of the club because he's wanted to leave and uh... they haven't received the offer that they think is sufficient to allow him to leave so he has to come to terms with that you know when you sign long-term contracts you know you are expected to honor them and we certainly expect him to do that but i don't have any issues with it at all but today wasn't the right day so i'm looking forward to seeing him tomorrow and hopefully he will have come to terms with the fact that he's he's got another season with crystal palace
0: So it looks like Zaha is staying, so that and those other biggest headlines is what's coming into us here at Sky Campus in West London. We are spending opening weekend on location in the UK, and it all begins here with our new friends at Sky Sports, the epicentre of all things Premier League in the UK. Good morning and welcome along to a very special Transfer Deadline Day show. We are coming to you live from Studio One here at Sky Sports, the studio from which they broadcast Monday Night Football to British viewers. As you may know, NBC and Sky are now one company, and today's collaboration to bring you the very best Transfer Deadline Day show will give you an indication of what the new relationship is all about. Over here, Sky Sports News is destination viewing for all Premier League fans, even more so for these final hours of The Window. And where it all happens is right upstairs in the newsroom. And waiting for us there, Mr Arlo White.
1: Rebecca, thank you. Hello again, everybody. I hope you summered well. Welcome to the Sky Sports Newsroom. This is the Nerve Centre. This is Mission Control of Transfer Deadline Day, and it's a hive of activity. Very excited to be here today. Let's take a look over here at the Sky Sports News set. You've got Jim White about to go live, Vicky Gomasol, the former England manager Steve McLaren is there as well. Now, if they are the swans that are serenely on the surface over here, are the legs that are furiously kicking to bring you all the latest transfer news on this massive day before the window slams shut in less than an hour's time. Over 100 people working all sorts of hours to bring you the latest. It is... Wonderful to be able to tap in to this resource here at Sky Sports News. Now, how do all the reporters report in? There are 20 of them, one for each Premier League ground, and this is the bank of screens. You can see Fraser Denton. You can see various guys there that are all around the country waiting to bring you the latest from your club in the Premier League. Now, it's such a thrill to be here, I've got to tell you. Sky Sports have been at the epicentre of the Premier League since its inception in 1992. They have unparalleled knowledge and passion for this sport they've looked after us beautifully and it is fabulous to be here i'll be with robbie L and graham lasso on the sofa in a moment rebecca but for now it is back to you
0: Lovely stuff. Arlo, thank you. Some more deadline day deals then to bring you. The reports are that Kieran Tierney has joined Arsenal for $30 million. Not confirmed yet, but almost. Watford have signed Ismaila Sarr from French club Rennes for a club record $36.5 million. He's 21-year-old winger, by the way. Andy Carroll, free agent after leaving West Ham United, is in line to return to the club where he made his name. It's Boyhood Club of Newcastle United. Danny Drinkwater, trained yesterday with Chelsea, reportedly completing a medical ahead of a loan move to Burnley. Southampton have sold Charlie Austin to championship side West Bromwich Albion. And the last headline to bring you Huddersfield have let Aaron Moy, one of the stars of their team, join Brighton Hove Albion on Loan. They are the very latest deals that are happening right now. So as Arlo said in the newsroom, he has got Robbie Earl and Graham Lusso. Lee Dixon's going to join us later on in the week and over the weekend here in the studio, Mr Carl Martino Mr Robbie Musto as well. Um, we have another member of our team that normally we have to talk across the Atlantic Ocean to. We've actually allowed to get near him today. Neil Ashton has his own desk in the corner though Neil. You didn't make it onto the main desk. No, You're in the corner. It's lovely to see you in it's person. It's lovely to see
4: you over here as well.
0: And you are the man with the knowledge. I've been watching He's been on his phone for the last yeah. few minutes, texting and receiving messages. Uh, what are you chasing, Zaha? Yeah, this
4: is, this is right up to the minute, actually, Rebecca, because uh, Wilfred Zaha, this is, an, oh, this is a really awkward truce here because we know that Zaha wanted to leave for Everton. He wanted to leave Palace. He articulated that earlier in the week when he returned to training with Crystal Palace, put in a transfer request yesterday. But he spoke to Steve Parrish today. Steve Parrish, the chairman at Crystal Palace, made it absolutely clear he's not leaving. But it's an awkward truce because this is going to be revisited in the January window. So at the moment, Wilfred Zaha remains a Crystal Palace player, that Crystal Palace will benefit from his ability over the next few months. But Zaha made it so clear, so forceful earlier in the week that he wanted to leave Palace, that Palace have agreed, OK, In January, we'll look look at it again. We'll see where Everton are, if they still want you, if other clubs come in for him, and where Zaha is at Crystal Palace and exactly where Palace are in the Premier League table. That's the situation at the moment. Palace keep Wilfred Zaha. He can play in the first game of the season, of course, at the weekend in the Premier League. But it's an awkward, uncomfortable truth, Rebecca.
0: Thank you, Neil. And the first game of the season for Crystal Palace, of course, was against Everton, so that could have been even more awkward mm. had Wilfred Zahar made that move to Goodison Park. Carl, mm. um, I'll start with you. Looking at today, looking at the last few weeks, what's catching your eye?
5: Arsenal. Uh, and it's rare. We, we've done a lot of transfer windows, and I feel like uh, the invite to the transfer window party always gets lost in the mail for Arsenal, and we sit here <laughs> saying, well, they've done it once again. And at the end of the Arsene Wenger era, where he took fiscal responsibility to a new level, the dithering in the market got really frustrating. But towards the end of his era, Stat who's not there anymore, we saw these big names coming in. And so, you know, predating Emery, Alexis, and Ozil, and then now we've got Aubameyang and La Gazette. And I think that Arsenal have the most exciting signing of this transfer deadline window. And Nicola Pepe, not, not a household name yet, but... Bags of talent. I mean, and, and, and kind of in the ilk of Arsenal players where you could probably play off the right or any of those top three positions, silky smooth left foot, bag of tricks, we'll take players on. That, Lacazette and Aubameyang, is exciting. But I think Arsenal fans will once again say, where's the defensive stability that we ask every transfer deadline window for? And, you know, Gendouzi and Torreira and others who have come along, but this window, there are two players, and you said Tierney. If they get Tierney over the line, excellent signing at left back. And David Luiz, even though he's older, You'd have to say it's an improvement on Koscielny, the club captain that's left, and he could also play at defensive midfield. So it's a good window if they get all that over the line.
0: Interesting you're saying that's the best signing of the window is Nicola Pepe for Arsenal. For you, Robbie, what's concerning you? Which club?
6: Manchester United. uh, Of course, defensively, they are stronger. Harry Maguire will make them better. Aaron Wampasaka will make them better defensively. at Right back, De Gea signed a long-term contract. So that's the good part of Manchester United's window. The rest of it is weaker. And that's stunning to me, given what this, where the club is right now, what other teams are doing in the window, City and Liverpool, City have bought a couple of players, of course, but are not going to be greatly improved. Liverpool are not adding to their first team, really. So this is an opportunity for Manchester United. Now, so many players, creative midfield players, Herrera's gone, of course, now, that have been linked to United, and none have come through Rebecca, none of them, and creative types. So it's something they were looking for. So that's, in some ways, a failure, not to add creativity to midfield. And Lukaku... You know, we'll divide opinion, but he's gone now. And nobody as yet has come in to replace him. So in terms of Rashford and Martial, Daniel James is a young winger that's come in. You've got to say they're weak, weaker as a squad of front players as well. I've I got to say United fans will have to be disappointed where they need to get to of what sort of wonder they've had so far.
0: And it will be interesting to gauge from Manchester United fans whether it's a positive that Paul Pogba has ended up staying when, of course, just a few weeks ago he came out and said he wanted a new challenge and he wanted to leave Manchester United. But as of now, we've got about 50 minutes left of this transfer window. Paul Pogba remains a United player. Let's take you back to the newsroom, back to Arlo and the chaps. And what are you focusing on, gents?
1: Hi, Rebecca. Yes, let's, I'm going to start with Tottenham Hotspur with mm. you, Graham, and we'll get mm. on to Manchester mm. City and Liverpool, the top two last season in yeah. a moment, Robbie. Um, Spurs fans, they wait 517 days for a signing and then four or five come along at the same time. <laughs> it doesn't look like Paolo Dybala is going to happen. I know a lot of Spurs fans got very excited mm. about that, but how would you judge their transfer window? I think they've
7: had a good, a really good transfer window, um, given they've brought in Cessignon, who's a very talented player from Fulham last year, 19 years old, can play a variety of positions, very dynamic, can create as well as Defend. So I think he's a, he's a good addition. Loselso, the Argentinian um, from Betis, you know, midfield player, and he scores goals. 16 goals for Real Betis last season. So you know they've really added, I think, quality to their to their ranks. Um, and Dombalay, I think, is a terrific signing. Yeah, we listen. were just discussing yeah. the fact he can play. Either side of the holding midfield or pushing forward a little bit more as an attacking midfielder, physically very, very strong. So I think he's a really really good addition. And we were discussing before, we're both best for the Dybala deal to go through because... Not we, we sort of think it won't now, but it just yeah. would be so good because that would free up Eriksson to make his own so One maybe.
8: piece we've been saying for Spurs, are not they? they get a top-class player who could play yeah.
7: in there. That takes them to another level. Absolutely, and it sounds like the whole deal was very complicated with mm. image rights and agents and all sorts of things, as, as is, is common now in, in football. I think one area for Spurs which is a concern is the right side of defence because you've got Walker Peters, very young... Mm got some good quality and potential, but I don't think he's quite at that level yet, and whether or not Sissoko ends up playing mm-hmm. there, but that's the one bit. But overall, I think it's been a really good window for Spurs. Very exciting season for them, their first full season at the new stadium. Yeah,
1: Ericsson could yet leave because of the yeah. uh, continental uh-huh. transfer window closing sometime in September, so what's yeah. this space on that one. He said it wouldn't be a negative if he had to stay. Mm. Um, Manchester City and Liverpool, yeah. one point between them. 98 mm-hmm. played, 97. A yeah. cracking uh, community shield last weekend as well. City's business, Rodri and Joao Cancelo, Robbie, what yeah. do you make of that?
8: Good business. Cancelo can play in the right back. Roderick can is almost the same. The next Fernandinho, which gives them options into midfield. That makes them better. The intangible, Vin, Vincent Company's not there anymore. Not only what he does on the pitch, but how he runs that football club. We'll have to see how, how that affects things. And also, a fit. And 100% Kevin De Bruyne, is almost like a new signing. So their game will be the team to beat, and uh, I think they're being
1: confident they will finish top of the pile. We went to Liverpool on Monday, we and did, Joe yeah. Gomez said to us, after mm. the Community Shield, Yeah. we think City know we're on to them. Mm. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. Really it was interesting a statement, day wasn't day. it? said it with a little glint in his eye. There was,
8: there was an inner confidence about Joe Gomez, Jordan Henderson we spoke to, and Jurgen Klopp, and particularly Jurgen Klopp. He came out with something that I thought was really important. Where well, he said, in football, we always feel that adding something new is going to make you better sometimes keeping what you've got making it familiar playing together having some consistency he seemed very happy and very content with his group of players that you yeah, got with
7: the
1: experience of last
7: season and finishing in you know fourth second what Absolutely. can they do this year
1: Mm. This place is buzzing, uh, Rebecca. Phones (laughs) ringing all over the place. You can see Jim White doing his thing at the uh, Sky Sports News desk here. Deadline day. You won't miss a thing. More from the chaps in a bit.
0: Thank you, Arlo. Yes, today is all about breaking transfer news and talking about all 20 clubs ahead of the new season, the new season which starts tomorrow. The men in blazers get us underway. Yes, they do at half past one Eastern on NBCSN with a season preview special. Looking forward to that. Then we'll be live from Anfield at two o'clock. We're going up to Liverpool to see the European champions take on newly promoted... Norwich City kick off at three. We're then driving from Liverpool back down to London to North London. We'll be at the home of Tottenham Hotspur, the new stadium, of course, but we'll be kicking off from 7 Eastern ahead of West Ham against the Champions. Then it's Bournemouth against New Boys, Sheffield United, before we see Spurs take on newly promoted Assam Villa at half 12 on NBC. We then leave North London, travel back up to the northwest to the home of Manchester United. Premier League mornings, like it will every Sunday this season, will start at 7 Eastern, a two-hour build-up to bring you everything you might have missed on Saturday and then build up to Newcastle, Arsenal and Leicester Wolves and then... the marquee game of the weekend, Frank Lampard's Chelsea go to Manchester United at half past 11 on NBCSN. Not only is the new season back, it's back with VAR and this week we all went to the Premier League match centre to learn how VAR will work in the Premier League. We'll bring you those details and any breaking transfers right after this.
2: VAR is in the Premier League this season and it will help our referees get more decisions correct. Let's be clear, we won't see 100% accuracy. Some decisions will be subjective and not everyone will agree, but the VAR will be checking every key decision. There are four match-changing decisions a VAR can be used for. My favourite... Goals. The VAR will check every goal that is scored. If the VAR spots something, then they will tell the referee not to restart play. This could be an offside or a foul in the build-up. Penalties. Either penalties that have been awarded or penalties that have not. Red cards. Direct red cards, not second yellows. The VAR can tell the referee if they have missed a clear red card and also let the ref know if they have incorrectly given a red. Mistaken identity. The VAR can tell the referee if they have booked or sent off the wrong player. The Premier League is setting a high bar for VAR involvement. The philosophy is minimum interference, maximum benefit. Keeping the pace and passion we all know and love.
0: So it's here, so let's just summarise one more time. VAR, Video Assistant Referees, will this season in the Premier League be used for clear and obvious errors or serious missed incidents in the following situations? For goals, for penalty decisions, for direct red card incidents, as Alan Shearer said there, not for second yellows, and for mistaken identity. In terms of penalty kicks, the goalkeeper off his line movement situation, that will be judged by the on-field match officials. And VAR intervention, though, will come in for a double touch by the penalty taker, feigning at the point of kick. You can feign on your way up to the point of kick, but at the point of kick and encroachment that then leads to direct impact on the outcome of the kick. Most importantly to remember, final decision will always be taken by on-field referee. I feel that we are going to have a number of conversations about VAR it's this going season. Great. Let's start right now, Robbie Mostow, what are you happy about?
6: I'm happy that we went to see them this week, so we sat down and spoke to the referees of VARs and got a sense of it all, and they said a few times, we know the Premier League is about speed of play and the intensity, and they don't want to halt it unnecessarily, so Alan Shearer just said it in the video there, they're setting a high bar for a clear and obvious error. This isn't everybody, a situation where we're re-refereeing incidents with with all these different angles, is if the referee's made a clear and obvious error and there's communication between the two, then VAR, VAR will get involved. They're doing it a little bit differently... It won't be. You won't see the referee go into the sideline, the review area, that many times again to try and keep it as quick and as easy and as minimal as possible, which we've got to like.
0: Carl, you have championed VAR. You've wanted to see technology well, me and more Charlie of Austin. it. You, you and Charlie <laughs> Austin, um, you've wanted that to come in now for quite a while. Yeah. It's here. What are you happy about? Uh, I,
5: you know what? I, I have championed it for a while, and I, I would probably say a lot of fans have been frustrated. It's taken so long to come in. But what I what I found when we sat down and we and we're taken through the decision to delay it that was the right call because they've learned how the tool's been used inappropriately. And coming off the Women's World Cup, where there were games, where there were six-minute deliberation for for some calls, they're going to be very conservative and try not to use it to re-referee games. Now, staying committed to that, you know, truly being able to define clear and obvious and and not letting subjectivity come into using the tool— that's the ultimate challenge
6: of the season. They said they've delayed it, Rebecca. Like two years of testing to make sure they get it right and they think they've got it right mm-hmm. on now. But
0: they also did tell us this week that they're open to feedback. If they do feel, as right. part of the football family, feel that there's a problem, they are open to feedback. And there are going to be bumps in the road, Arlo. We'll take it back to you in the newsroom <laughs> with Robbie Earl and Gremler. So there are going to be bumps in the road. It's not going to be great straight from the off, is it?
1: Unless you are a VAR official, mm-hmm. Rebecca. You got four out of four when we practised down <laughs> at the Premier League match centre the other day and it, and it was an extraordinary there experience. That must to a clear and obvious decision. <laughs> yeah. they were very very clear and obvious. Um, let's talk about the concerns. Neil Swarbrick, who yes. is involved in the pgo who gave us a fascinating chat the mm. other day, he says there's still going to be controversy. Yes. What are your concerns about it, Robbie?
8: I have less concerns having had that day we, we, we spent here with the VAR. And, listen, Robbie Musta was sorting them out in 30 seconds. If Musta can do that, everybody's <laughs> got a chance. But I think there's trepidation amongst the formal football community... there's a a bit of a distrust about about the process in the system and that it's going to be intrusive and it's going to stop the game and it's going to be lots of of time spent, which I don't think is going to happen. I just think it's starting in a negative place sort of from the base of what people think. And a bit like goal-line technology, I think within a month we'll be embracing it and realise it's not that bad.
7: Yeah, the less we're talking about it, like the less we talk about referees, the better the game, the better the referee's job is doing. And I think that's the key with with VAR. I I don't like the grey areas because you're never going to iron those out. You can't have enough proof to whether somebody's dived or deliberately handballed at the point where it's subjective. So the more they can keep away from the subjectivity, the better, I mm-hmm. think. And again, as, as Robbie says, when you speak to the guys that are running the whole system, you understand that they're setting the bar really high. They're making sure that the game is, is affected as, as, as less as possible, and that's got to be a good thing. And as Kyle says, they've got
1: to stick to that principle. They've got to keep revisiting that principle mm-hmm. throughout the season. And, Rebecca, will see it rolled out for the very first time uh, in person at Anfield tomorrow night for the Liverpool against Norwich game.
0: Along with VAR, some other notable law changes in the Premier League over the summer. Substitutes have to leave the pitch now at the nearest point on the touchline or the goal line. Goal kicks no longer have to leave the box. Attacking players cannot stand in the wall of three or more defenders for a set piece and any goal scored with a hand or an arm will be disallowed even if it's accidental because for a while some goals have been given with a hand or an arm scoring despite the fact that it was accidental. It didn't sit well with the match officials. Some other things to let you know eight Saturdays this season we'll have a 2:45 p.m. Eastern match there'll be four matches back to back on eight Saturdays this coming campaign Sunday matches will kick off at nine Eastern which means we'll have a two hour build-up every Sunday morning from seven and 11 30 Eastern is the second game on a Sunday those are the slots there'll be a mid-season break when one round of fixtures in February is split over two weekends so sort of two demi weekends if you like of Premier League action coming for you in February So those are some changes to this league, which of course was won last season by Manchester City. They're going for three straight titles. We'll assess their transfer window and bring you any breaking transfer news next. Well, we've got an exciting upgraded Premier League Pass this season for you. Just go to NBCSports.com slash Premier League Pass and you can watch the most extensive offering of Premier League programming ever available in the States. 140 exclusive live matches and new this season, full event replay for all 380 games on demand. Plus... Fitting given our location today, you'll get access to plenty of Sky sports content as well, including the Can't Miss Soccer Saturday, as well as Goals on Sunday. Both of those shows are filmed right here on Sky's magnificent campus, where earlier today Arlo went for a little walkabout.
1: The Sky campus is enormous, around 7,000 people work here. And this is the heart of the whole organisation, Sky Central. And if you do work here, you get access to your own cinema. How about that? I might drag the two robbers to see Hobbs and Shaw when the transfer window slams shut. There's no mistaking on the campus that it's transfer deadline day. Look at the video boards. And if you look very closely, you can see our logo, NBCSN, alongside Sky Sports News. We've been made to feel very welcome indeed. Over my right shoulder, you can see the glass cube. That's the hub for Sky News to send their reports across the globe. This is a very impressive place.
0: Anna, thank you very much. So, some deadline day news. If you're just tuning in this morning, Manchester United have sold striker Romelu Lukaku to Inter Milan for $90 million. That deal was done in the last hour. Tottenham have agreed to sign Ryan Sessegnon uh, from Fulham and Giovanni Lo Celso from Real Betis. Neither of those are completed but all agreed. Arsenal yet to complete but looks like they will get it done. David Luiz from, from Chelsea and Kieran Tierney, the left back from Celtic. So Arsenal have been busy. Wilfred Zaha put in a transfer request yesterday to Crystal Palace but today reports coming out of Selhurst Park. He is to stay in South London and Watford have broken their club record fee. Ismaila Saar has come in, 21-year-old winger from Rennes, for $36.5 million. We are now going to start our roundup of the summers of all 20 clubs in the position in which they finished last season, starting therefore with the champions of England and Manchester City, the first repeat Premier League champion since Manchester United, who won it three times in a row from 2006-7 to 2008-9. City trying to go for three in a row themselves this year. Two highest points totals in Premier League history for City in the last two years, 198. The first English team to win a domestic treble. They won the Premier League, the FA Cup and the League Cup last season. Pep Guardiola ruling English football over the last couple of years. Five major trophies over two seasons. And our Premier League insider Neil Ashton is over at his over at his desk, he's nipped out, you've come back on, he's on the phone a lot, he's getting all the details of what's Zaha. happening. It's, it's all, Zaha, is, there, Zaha, first, Zaha. is there any update, first that of that all, on Zaha? It. Is he definitely staying I the think palace? we're up to
4: the minute that he's definitely staying, but I think... We revisit it in January, but of course we've got a January show, so we'll be able to talk more about Wilfried Zaha um, in a few months' time.
0: Okay, but in terms of Manchester City, they've spent money, uh, around $150 million, but are we used to them spending a little more?
4: Yeah, well, they've got their man in uh, Rodrigo, of course, from Atletico Madrid. He's seen as a successor uh, to Fernandinho. We saw him last weekend in the Community Shield, his first real serious competitive game for City. That game, of course, was against Liverpool. He looked good in that position. He looked strong. He looked durable. He looked dependable. But you think that rivalry between City and Manchester United, that it seems to be coming to a close, that it's a new era, that City are dominating, they haven't forgot who used to boss things. And I've just been reminded today by someone at Manchester City about something that Sir Alex Ferguson said about City a few years ago, back in 2008, Sir Alex Ferguson and his 13 Premier League titles. He said City were disorganised, they were happy to overspend, they were happy that they uh, they disregarded the stability of the transfer market, that they had too much money to spend, that they were overspending on footballers. And then I was reminded by the guys... City, look at the three top transfers, three top Premier League transfers in history. Paul Pogba, Harry Maguire this week, Romelu Lukaku when he moved from Everton to Manchester United. I know, of course, that he's just gone to Inter Milan. very different way of doing things now at Manchester City. They've got their squad. They're just bringing in players here and there, the likes of Rodrigo, just to refine their system, just to improve things in the centre of midfield, just to bring in a player who will one day succeed, Fernandinho, in that central midfield position. You look at someone else, David Silva, who's announced his last season as a Manchester City player, started last weekend as the captain, someone that Manchester City will be looking to alternatives in the next few months. But City say the the, the days of them spending big, they're well and truly over. They've got their squad, it's durable, it's dependable, and it's exactly what Pep Guardiola wanted.
0: Brilliant, Neil. Thank you. So confirmation then of who Manchester City have brought in over the summer window. Rodri for that $79 million from Atletico. Joao Conselo for $73 million. That was confirmed uh, just today. And Angelino from PSV Eindhoven for $7 million. That's all that they have done. Out has gone five players including Danilo and Fabian Delph as well. Let's hear, shall we, from the City manager Pep Guardiola earlier on this week talking about their spending.
4: Earlier this week Jurgen Klopp uh, made a comment about the lack of spending from Liverpool and said that his club is not in a position like other clubs meaning Manchester City does it concern you that almost everything that Manchester City does comes with people saying yeah but they only do it because of the money
3: yeah that's true if it bother me of course it bother me because it's not true we have spent 200 millions every transfer market that is not true so is Liverpool you never walk alone so it's not a small team. It's Liverpool. So, of course, I don't like it because it's not true. Um, because last season we spent 17, 1-7 seven in just one player. So when I said two seasons ago when I spent a lot, it's because I took over the team, like, uh, again, 10, 11 players more than 30 years. You have to do it. But we cannot spend 200 uh, millions every season like for example Liverpool has spent more than 200 millions last season it cannot do it this season but it's the same
0: the back chats and the mind games have already begun between Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp back to the newsroom and Arlo with the gents
1: well well, Robbie I want to talk to you about this this rivalry between these two managers uh, first of all The Premier League, if you go back in history, it's been synonymous with managerial rivalries and a lot, let's be honest, of animosity. I think Mourinho, Mm. uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, Arsene Wenger. Does the Klopp-Pep rivalry seem a little bit different to you?
8: It does. I like it. In fact, I love it. I think the Premier League needs it. It's a modern rivalry. There's respect on both sides, but every now and then it, it tips over a little bit. We saw them on the touchline in, in the community field, having a little go at each yeah. other. They both respect each other. They both know the quality of the teams. And Manchester City was interesting. When Pep won the title last, last season very quickly said, I have to thank Liverpool for pushing us Mm. as far as they did. That Mm. shows you the respect in these two teams. Mm. But Manchester City, again, want to be top of of the park.
7: I love the fact they managed to restrain themselves because that's got to be the most frustrating position and time for any coach is when you're in the technical area, Mm. things are happening, the tensions there... And although they blew their lids a little bit, as soon as the game finished, the tension went down, they gave each other a big hug, and absolutely there's, there's a mutual respect. It's almost like two great tennis players like Nadal and Federer. Mm, yeah. You know, they drag each other up to a level th- that you cannot believe sometimes. And just, just to keep that in context, the last two seasons, Manchester City, they've only dropped 30 points out of the the total you could get for winning every match. And they're averaging 2.6 points per game over two seasons. So they've set an incredible bar.
8: And I think Pep's very conservative with making sure he brings the right people in. Remember, they were in for Maguire at the start of this run and then they went, like, the kind of money you're talking, $97 million, we're out, we're not going there anymore. And this is a team that, you know, no company there, we'll see how that affects. David Silver. I think Neil mentioned him. I think there'll be a motivation for these City players They want to win a title for the little magician to to send him on his way. Mm. So I I just think that Manchester City
1: kind of feel we've got enough with the group. We've brought in two key players. That will be enough for us to go. You're never going to complain about winning silverware. But in a way, have they got each other's trophies? This season, (laughs) would Liverpool prefer to win the Premier League and City the Champions League? Or does it matter? No,
7: Guardiola says he'd rather win the Premier League every year because you're based now over a 38 game season, so he's... it's sort of, you know, there's less of a gamble in that, in the sense mm. you're... And he loves the process, doesn't he, more than Jurgen Klopp, yeah. who, you know, the, the contrast between the two managers just goes to show there's, there's different ways of achieving the same thing, or trying to achieve the same thing, and I... I I love Guardiola's process. It's quite hard sometimes when we commentate because it's over and over again relentless, Relentless, exactly. I I
8: think the one thing that Manchester City have have shown the rest of the league, if you don't start this season well, you'll never catch us up. And that's the gauntlet that's slowed down to everybody,
1: including Liverpool. The margin of error between these two teams, Rebecca, as we've seen throughout the last couple of seasons, is minuscule. Can't wait to see another exciting title race.
0: Thank you, Arlo. We're going to talk specifically about some players. Kyle, starting with Rodri, uh, one of the two key players that he's brought in, Pep Guardiola, there's talk that he'll be the successor long-term to Fernandinho. Do you see Fernandinho starting the season and Rodri being sort of phased in, if you like, and Fernandinho being phased out as the season goes on? Well, based
5: on preseason, you know, Rodri used a lot, and obviously with international breaks uh, in the summer and difficulty of players coming back at different times, it's so hard to know how, how managers are looking at the start of the season. But... Um, Fernandinho very much can do that role and does it better than anyone. And there have been many understudies. Gundogan has tried that role at times. Even John Stones has been Mm. pushed into that role at times. No one can do it like Fernandinho. Forget his age. He defies it. Rodri is there to to replace him. Whether it happens quickly or long term is up to Rodri because he's got to adapt to the pep system. The Simeone played a totally different style. It had intensity. But the discipline of sitting in that role that pep played... And, and, he, and he can't avoid the comparisons to Busquets and others. He's silky smooth. He's got height on Fernandinho, so he'll enjoy the physicality of, of the Premier League. He, he is what they're hoping becomes a replacement very, very soon. But Fernandinho's still the guy.
0: Robbie, when I hear pundits like yourselves on radio and on television all summer being asked, are City going to win the league again? Mm. The only caveat that they come up with is the only worry they have is that there's no Vincent company, that that leadership's exited right. the dressing room. Right. How worried are you?
6: I am worried. I think in tough times, they're going to miss him. As simple as that. And we know that Man City plan very well. So the fact they've not gone out and got another centre-back is interesting, trusting Laporte and John Stones. And just to follow on from the Rodri conversation, Fernandinho, I'm pretty sure, is going to play a lot at centre-back. So Pep must be happy with that, with the transition, with Rodri coming in. Again, a 23-year-old a a Rodri, perfectly kind of set to come in, planned for in there. But Vincent Company will be missed in difficult times where maybe the Pep frustrations, the, the intensities, you know... I'm sure Vincent Company was a very calming influence on players in the dressing room that were getting frustrated. So he's going to be missed. But with Rodri and Fernandinho dropping back in, you you get a sense that he's very happy with what he's got. And he feels that won't be a downgrade at all. You know what's fascinating about that is it it wasn't too many windows ago we were talking about John Stones. And
5: it's, it's really surprising that John Stones hasn't become, for Pep Guardiola, what many of us thought he would. And we saw flashes of. And if Fernandinho plays there, it's another just real setback for John Stones. Who should be stepping yeah, come, into this should have, role. He
6: should have been there, John Stones, but company had to come in for the last yeah. six weeks or even played, more than that in, in the crucial times to get them over the line. And he's going to be missing now. So that, that is something to watch for all the City fans, I'm sure.
0: Just to finish, another setback is that news in the last couple of days that Leroy Sane has what could be an ACL injury, which could keep him out for a number of months at the start of the season. Leroy Sane, the Manchester City um, winger. So it was just a point, of course, wasn't it, that separated Manchester City and Liverpool last season. The Reds, remember, lost just That one game all season long, it's been a quiet window for them. Have they done enough to go one step further this year? What's next.
1: No transfer deadline day is complete without a bit of graffiti art. This is Mark, a.k.a. Mr Mina from Graffiti Kings. Hello, Mark. You can tell he's a West Ham fan because he's got the ink on the leg. He's been here since 5 o'clock this morning. The two characters he's been told to spray... Wilfred Zahar and David Louise, two major characters on transfer deadline day.
0: They are indeed Arlo. But staying at Palace for now. Louise not official with his move to Arsenal. Now like most years, some Premier League clubs spent their summer in the States. Arsenal went to Denver, to Southern California and to the home of Christian McCaffrey and the Carolina Panthers. Even World Cup star you saw there, Megan Rapinoe paid a visit. Villa also travelled across the pond. They went to Minnesota United in mid-July and Liverpool stopped by some of the world's most historic sporting venues. Notre Dame Stadium, Yankee Stadium and Fenway Park of course as well. That was the summer in the States for a few Premier League clubs so let's focus on Liverpool shall we the European champions bringing in just three players spending just six million dollars uh, on the three Seth Vandenberg a defender coming in Harvey Elliott a youngster 16 year old youngest ever to play in the Premier League for Fulham last season came on as a sub for them and Adrian the West Ham goalkeepers come on a free out has gone five players including Danny Ings Uh, Simon Mignolet and Alberto Moreno, Daniel Sturridge as well, has gone uh, as well. He's now a free agent. So, Neil Ashton, spending up to $6 million maximum for Jurgen Klopp. Are we to think there wasn't the money then for him to spend?
4: The money was absolutely there, Rebecca. Um, That uh, a man who wins the Champions League, the sixth European Cup with Liverpool, that he's got the backing of FSG, the owners, and also he's got the backing uh, of uh, Liverpool supporters that this man, Jurgen Klopp, knows how to shape a team, build a team, and to take it across the line to win football trophies. He could have spent this summer, he could have spent big. Absolutely no question about that. But the one thing to bear in mind here is even though they lifted that trophy last summer, they still don't... Jurgen Klopp still doesn't believe that his team has reached its potential. He still believes that it can get better, that Virgil van Dijk, the world-class central defender, best in the world, that he can still get better, that Mo Salah, one of the best wingers in the world, one of the best forwards, he's established. Everybody knows the qualities he's got with 22 Premier League goals last season, that he can still get better. He still believes there's more to come from this team, which is why Jurgen Klopp decided that the squad that he's got, the squad that he assembled last summer, the team that nearly took Manchester City all the way to the Premier League title, that he believes they can go one better this year domestically and go on to finally win the league title here in England.
0: Well Neil, if Liverpool can get better, they could be a scary proposition because they and Manchester City last season provided us with quite a season, didn't they? Ninety-eight points for City, the second most in the history of the Premier League, third most for Liverpool with ninety seven. In terms of wins, thirty-two for City, which was level with the record, thirty for Liverpool, and of course Liverpool lost just one game, didn't they, as well? And the goal difference was second best for City with plus seventy two and plus sixty seven for Liverpool, was the fourth best in the history of the Premier League. Quite a season from both Manchester City and Liverpool who were, of course, separated on the final day by just that one point. Earlier on this week, you chaps went to Melwood, to Liverpool's training ground, and met up with the likes of Jordan Henderson, the Liverpool captain, and with Jurgen Klopp. What was your reading of the atmosphere at Melwood, Kyle? Uh, it
5: was it was relaxed and, I think, anxious to get the, the season started um, and a little bit tired because we kept them around for a long time and <laughs> asked them a lot of questions. And I was amazed at, at their candour. I mean... That's the thing. I don't know how you felt, Robbie. We talked about it in the car on the way back. I mean, just the honesty that we got from Jordan Henderson and Jurgen Klopp, and and Mm -hmm. particularly Jordan Henderson, where he sat with us for a while and even at one point said, you know, I want to kind of continue to to talk. And, And it was exciting to see a smile on his face when he talked about the Champions League before he even said a word. You just saw his face glow up. But but more um, what's expected of this team going forward. He talked about them maintaining performance levels that they didn't keep up, even though they got the results last year. Said there's still a hunger in the side, even after the Champions League win. But he also talked about um, moving up to a more attacking position, saying it took him so long to figure out that, that holding role. But he thinks Fabinho's finally at the level there and performing there and, and is securing that spot where he, we're going to see him maybe a little bit more advanced, where
6: throughout his career he's been more comfortable. Mm.
0: What's, what stood out for you, Rob? Well, of course, i
6: no major signings. So you asked them straight away, like, how do you improve to catch Manchester City? And as Neil was saying earlier, Jurgen Klopp was basically saying to us, I expect every player in this dressing room to improve, everybody to improve. They know each other for, for an extra year. Um, yes, there's no new, new stars coming into the team, but he expects everybody to improve. But Jordan Henderson, just to reiterate what Kyle said, talked about there was a period, wasn't there, around kind of the middle of the season, in the winter and stuff, where Liverpool weren't finding their feet, they weren't finding the form, the front players weren't performing. That's the part where he's saying we can be better. We need to be perf- uh, consistently performing better to win games and not draw those games. So that's what he's looking forward to. And just, I thought that was the strongest thing, I asked him how Jurgen club had made him a better player. And he kind of sat back in his chair and he said, wow, in every way, yes. in every way, playing a defensive midfield position, his personality, the way that he leads the team, everything... The manager's helped him become better.
0: And do you have faith that only spending $6 million, this transfer window, is going to be enough for them to take the next step? I
6: do, yeah. I, I don't believe that they needed to go and bring another guy in to try and catch City. He talked about Adam Lalana and Oxley chamberlain being like new signings. You know, there was a bit of talk about creative players coming into the midfield area. He believes in Oxley chamberlain and navigator
5: Keita. And in his charming way, with a little bit of just being annoyed to keep being asked that question, said you don't have to spend money to improve players. I think Pochettino and Klopp have showed that you don't have to hit the market every time to be a better side.
0: Arsenal fans, you have yourselves a left-back just being told in the last minute Kieran Tierney from Celtic has confirmed his move to Arsenal for around $30 million. They've been chasing him for a while and he will come down from Scotland and take his place in Unai Emery's squad. Arsenal have themselves a left-back. We are waiting still for confirmation about whether David Luiz has had his deal from Chelsea done in time. Uh, just continue on the Liverpool theme. And a little look back at the season review just to summarise. Of course, finishing second on 97 points was the third highest points tally in Premier League history. Losing just that one game, conceding just 22 goals. An incredible record. They won the Champions League beating Spurs, of course, for the sixth time in the club's uh, history and a first trophy for Jurgen Klopp. Back to Arlem in the newsroom.
1: Rebecca, that Kieran Tierney news must have just broken because behind us there was a a hive of activity, (laughs) wasn't it? People leaping (laughs) off their seats taking Jim White bits of paper. You can see him uh, and Vicky Gommersal at the desk behind us broadcasting live to the United Kingdom and around the world, of course, on Sky Sports News. Uh, Let's keep it with Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp and again Mm. our our trip to Melwood, which we got so much out of, Mm -hmm. uh, on Monday morning. He told us he was delighted and surprised to get so much time out of Firmino and Salah in the Community Shield. Then uh, Mane came Back in the afternoon, but is he gonna have to manage their minutes?
8: Yeah, and I asked him the question you know, with Manchester City winning titles the way they do. They're going to have to start well. And, and I said, you're going to have to manage the minutes of your front three, who are so excited and who get the goals. They've all had a lot of international football du- during the summer. And he said, well, there's two ways of looking at it. Yes, they haven't had much of a rest, but they haven't lost any fitness. And he, and he kind of said, what I'm going to have to do is manage the season. There'll be times during the season when I'll see or maybe I can give them a rest. And as Robbie Musto talked about, Oswald Chamberlain, Adam Lallana, you know, Shakiri, he talked about, Naby Keita, Players who can give them more. And just a couple of the names were... Rian Brewster has had an excellent pre-season. Have a look for him. And they have got Dibak by the way, who yeah. scored some really important goals for them last season. So, as the boys
1: were saying there, I think he believes in this group of players and thinks they're ready to go and win a title. Jordan Henderson said, when he got back for pre-season, Graham, I can still feel the hunger. Do you expect them to retain that drive this season? Oh, 100%. I mean, there's nothing
7: there's nothing better to motivate you than the way they finished last season and and the pain that they must have gone through on that final day, losing by one point, absolutely it's motivation. When I played for Blackburn, we had three seasons, successful seasons. We finished fourth, we finished second, and then we won the Premier League in our third season. And I think Liverpool are on that pathway as well. We didn't win the Champions League (laughs) at Blackburn, I have to confess. But I think the motivation's there, The, the experiences they've had, the pain the excitement, the, the adulation as well, I think they're fired up and they've just got to go and deliver and all improve just a little bit more and
1: I think they'll go, they'll, they can do it. I was just
8: to say, does winning the Champions League, is that kind of one trophy now you get hungry for a little bit more?
1: 100%. Yeah, we shall see. Rebecca,
8: back to you.
0: Thank you, Olo. One other piece of news. Andy Carroll has confirmed he's returning to Newcastle United on a one-year deal. Free agent of course from West Ham. Now, our original series on YouTube are back this season. My show, The Lowdown, is on Sundays. Then the guys dissect a key goal or play on Tactic Session on Mondays. But before all that, we will release a new edition of Inside the Mind. And our four-part season premiere will feature a special someone, a former Chelsea boss, who discusses the club's potential reliance on youth this season.
3: I think Chelsea is a, a very special club in, in, in relation to that. Uh, I just give an example. Chelsea needs a centre back, Zuma. You don't need to buy, you don't need to spend. Zuma is your player, is on loan. Where are you going to buy a better player than, uh, than him? You have him. You want a young a young striker, Tammy Abraham, is yours. Now the moment arrived and they have answers like nobody else could have.
0: brilliant stuff, of course. Jose Mourinho speaking to our colleague Gary Cottrell of Sky Sports over the summer. We're going to release their full sit-down in four parts, the first of which will be available this Saturday on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. So from the most successful Chelsea manager ever to one of his best servants, Frank Lampard is now in charge at the bridge. We'll discuss his chances and those of a 20-year-old with the weight of the States on his shoulders. As next. sky campus all day today bringing you our transfer deadline day show live from studio one the monday night football studio nbc and sky are as you may now know one company and today is the perfect day to show that this new relationship off and upstairs in the Sky Sports News studio, Jim White and Vicky Gomisor are on duty. It is just a few minutes to go now until the summer 29 transfer window is closed. So we are going to pop upstairs and join Vicky and Jim.
9: Um, what a great challenge for him. Fantastic. Steve, we've said it before. Arsenal have surprised everybody, haven't they? They've, they've done well in this window. David Luiz, we wait for confirmation. We will get it. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, after that Europa League final... I think something had to, be, had to happen, it's happened, they've got very good signings, um, defensively which is where they needed it, attacking wise they are one of the best in the Premier yeah, League yeah. last season, there's no doubt about that. Stephen's right about Emery, fantastic tactician, two great signings.
0: Ok, brilliant staff, uh, welcome along. Meanwhile, to viewers joining us on NBC SNS. Yeah, howdy. really, a really window uh, with deals going to the wall, I Almost said something else then. <laughs>
9: you, you've joined us at a very significant <laughs> moment because uh, where are we now? The window is about to shut. There you go. Everybody, well done, everyone.
0: Hard work over, just about. Happy
9: New Year. (laughs) What a great moment. Um, Do you know what? Kevin Nolan, I'm so glad you're here, Kevin. Every time I see you, we always get talking football. You've you've got such a passion for the game. I don't think I've seen you like that. I've got to be honest, when, when the Andy Carroll interview was being played there, Keith Downey spoke to him. Steve was watching it. Stephen was watching it. You could not take your eyes off it. You are thrilled for your mate, aren't you?
8: Yeah, I, I've, I've got a mate. I'm absolutely delighted for
6: him. I think... I mean, I remember, because I can still remember the, the, the transfer when he went to Liverpool. I was there, I was with him. He was at my house, everyone was looking for him. He was at my house, you know, and he was, they were coming back and it was between Tottenham and Liverpool, it was in Limbo where he was going to go. And I'm there, obviously, in his ear going, Liverpool, it's got to be Liverpool, it's got to be Liverpool. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, and then obviously he went. And I remember that, you know, the first thing he said as he was leaving, he said, I'm coming back though. I am going to come back. And it's so, you know, and I think he said it in his interview there. Well, yeah. he actually did. He said, I've always, you know, thought I've come back. I thought.
0: Kevin Nolan, their best friends, of course, with Andy Carroll played together at West Ham United and Kevin Nolan's also been at Bolton and Newcastle as well. So, in terms of some deadline day deals then, Manchester United, if you're just tuning in, have sold Romelu Lukaku to Inter for $90 million. In the last hour, Arsenal have bought Kieran Tierney, the left back from Celtic, 22 years of age, for $30 bucks. Andy Carroll has returned, as we were just hearing there, from Kevin Nolan to his boyhood club of Newcastle United for a one year contract. Aaron Moy, One of Huddersfield's stars of the last couple of seasons joins Brighton and Hove Albion on loan from Huddersfield, although he has just signed a new three-year contract at Huddersfield. And Southampton have sold Charlie Austin to West Brom today for $5 million. Now... You heard Jim White there talk about David Luiz and it's not yet done from Chelsea to Arsenal. That's because there is a little bit of leeway on transfer window deadline day. This is what's called as a deal sheet. If a club has an agreement with another club late in the window, they can submit this sheet to the Premier League, which buys them some time um, to submit that necessary paperwork. The deal sheet has to arrive fully completed by now before the transfer window closes at noon Eastern. So once the sheet arrives at the Premier League, clubs have then got until 2pm Eastern to submit the full paperwork which is why we're on air for another two hours because we should get a few trickles from some other deals that have been done and are making it uh, in the next couple of hours. Now, we're going to focus on Chelsea Football Club right now as we continue our roundup of all the Premier League clubs in order of where they finished last season. Um, Of course, they have a transfer ban, so they can't bring anybody in. Christian Pulisic, they did bring him in in January and he was sent back on loan to Borussia Dortmund. He is now back with them. And Mateo Kovacic was there on loan. He became a permanent uh, 51 million dollars from Real Madrid but in terms of lone players returning. We know Chelsea do send a lot out. He has brought them all back, or a lot of them back, as Frank Lampard, including the likes of Mason Mount, who did so well for Frank Lampard when he was derby manager last season. Christian Pulisic, I mentioned, back from Dortmund. And Tammy Abraham, who does it every season, it seems, in the championship. Can he do it as the number nine for Chelsea this season? Tammy Abraham back from lone as well. So, Frank Lampard, we are of course, on our holidays when he was made the Chelsea head coach on July the 4th 13 seasons with the Blues between one and 14. Top scorer in the history of the club as a midfielder. Let's not forget 211 goals, picking up 11 major trophies, including the Champions League and three Premier League titles. Just the one season, though, of managerial experience, and that was last year with Derby County. So the big question is, how will they do? He has already, it appears, made a decision about David Luiz, doesn't want him at the club, played with him, which is interesting, but he looks like he's going to Arsenal. Neil Ashton, David Luiz will get done, you think, in the next two hours?
4: Yes, I think it will, that Frank Lampard has made it very, very clear to David Luiz, a player that you just said, Rebecca, that they shared that dressing room together when they were both players at Stamford Bridge, when they were both at Chelsea as footballers, but Frank Lampard making his mark here. A little bit of friction, I think, here behind the scenes, who really runs this club, who's the all-powerful figure, who's running the show behind the scenes in that dressing room. David Luiz, very, very powerful, very, very influential figure over the last few years, and of course one of the big favourites of Ronald Abramovich. But Frank Lampard is also a favourite of that club. The hero, the returning hero, he's making his mark here. David Luiz, not quite for him. World class at times, but he can make mistakes on the pitch all of a sudden, three seconds later, ball in the back of the net. He's been ruthless here. This is Frank Lampard making his mark. He's in control of Chelsea. He's building the team that he wants. bit of frustration, I think, though, yesterday with, them, with Chelsea announcing that David Luiz didn't train with that club. Yes, he was definitely at Chelsea's training ground. He trained separately, away from the first team, but that's his last ever appearance at Cobham. He's moving to Arsenal, and Arsenal Arsenal will announce that signing imminently.
0: Okay. as soon as we get that announcement from Arsenal we will let you know it's upstairs to Arlo alongside Robbie Arlen, a man who knows Chelsea very well, of course, Graeme Lesser.
1: Well, Graeme, you played with Frank Lampard. Robbie, you played against Frank Lampard. Mm -hmm. Um, You did your coaching badges with him as well, didn't you? I did. Uh, uh, Last year. Known as licences, actually. Let's get the terminology (laughs) right. Um, What was he like during that? Because you know him as a man, he's a friend of yours. What was he like when he was doing his badges? Yes, we both went to Chelsea to do our A licences and uh, I'll keep saying (laughs) licences, you keep saying badges.
7: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, um, he was very, yeah, very focused, very clear sense of his own style. If you think as a player, how many managers he had at Chelsea? Mm. Probably twelve or thirteen. All of them, well, almost all of them, really top quality coaches. So he'd have learned from all of those coaches as a player, and he's defined his own style. He's very good at, at communicating with players. He worked with the young players with Jody Morris, who's now his assistant. He worked with them. Um, during his licences, putting on sessions and stuff. He's brought in Joe Edwards, who's the under-23 coach. So there's quite a lot of coaching experience around him, and obviously that's the bit he's got to compensate and get help with, is he's only, he's only coached one season mm. with Derby. But I see him as very focused. He's got great authority through his experience and um, you know, everything he's achieved within the game. That only counts for so much. But he's engaged with the young players. I think he's reinvigorated the whole academy, which is fantastic, to actually believe there's an opportunity now with the transfer ban, for these young players to come in. Even if there wasn't a transfer ban, I still think he would have gone to the youth because there's mm. some quality players. That list of loan players that we've seen there, I would hope that some of those start to start to show a little bit of the, their potential during this season.
1: He's beloved in the city of Derby, he took yeah. them to within one game of promotion to the Premier League. You mm. went to Cobham yeah. yesterday, mm. actually spoke to Frank yeah. Lampard. What did you pick up from the chat? Everything Graham said... You
8: saw in the guy the way he conducts himself, the way he interacts with his staff, the way he interacts with his players. We came away and we said, this feels like a new Chelsea. It, it, it's younger players who may be given the chance who wouldn't have with chance windows were open and, and they could spend money. There's a new manager who's coming in and he talked about a couple of things. We're going to play with intensity... And the other thing he said very very clearly is, under that they played a very short game. Lots of short, intricate passes that often left them in trouble if, they, if there was a transition. He said, we're going to play a little bit bit longer. You're going to see us maybe now and then go back to front. I think he's coming into this football club to be a success. Petr Cech t- spoke to us as well and said, this club expects they finished... Third in the league last year and won the Europa, Europa League title. This football club, Chelsea, win titles in
1: transition. Frank Lampard will be wanting to, to win some silverware as well. And will he starts? Christian Pulisic on opening day at Old Trafford on Sunday. We'll be there. Rebecca, so will you.
0: Arlo, thank you very much. We'll hear from Christian Pulisic in just a moment. Um, we said there'd be deals done after the windows close and we've got three to tell you about. Manchester City, the champions, have signed Derby goalkeeper Scott Carson on loan. I think until the end of the season. Newcastle have let Jacob Murphy go to Sheffield Wednesday on loan until the end of the season. And how about this one? Everton have agreed a fee with Arsenal for Alex Iwobi for somewhere between 35 to 40 million pounds. So somewhere between 40 and 45 million dollars with the current exchange rate. So Alex Iwobi. It's not done yet, but the fee has been agreed. Looks like he's going to be an Everton player in the next couple of hours. We'll talk about that shortly. Um, But we're going to continue talking, though, about the youth movement, of course, at Chelsea. The enforced youth movement with this transfer ban and some notable players for you age 24 and younger. The likes of Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Callum Hudson-Odoi who signed a new deal just aged 18 despite Bayern Munich's uh, regular interest in him. And Christian Pulisic, aged 20 years old, may make his debut at Old Trafford on Sunday and earlier this week at the Chelsea training ground in Cobham. Carl Martino caught up with him.
5: Who's been your greatest influence? Uh, Definitely my dad. Uh, My parents, for sure. But my dad is... uh, Yeah, I mean, he played the game growing up and he's uh, he's taught me a lot of, you know, what I am and, and, you know, what I've learned in the game and, you know, as a person as well. Put me in the position. We're at Old Trafford. You're making your debut. You score a goal. Your first... In the Premier League, in your debut at Old Trafford, do you have the celebration picked out? All right. <laughs> a moment like that, you can't pick out a celebration. You just got to see what happens when, it, when when the moment comes. <laughs> so I, I don't know what I'll do. I didn't score much, but if you want any help, I could I could work out a little we something could, for you. We could you. do something. We could do something. But. Where Where were you the day you said I'm going to Chelsea Football Club? Do, I mean, do Do you remember that moment where that decision was made? The exact
8: moment, I was. I think I was in I was in Dortmund and uh, I was you know having meetings. My family was there and, and my agent was there and uh, yeah, I, I made a decision and that and that was it. Yeah. You, yeah but do
5: you look down at the crest? I mean, it's has I mean, still really early here. Do it's, you still look down and say? Yeah, no, it's it's kicked cow. in. I think once I'm in the
8: stadium and and, and in a game, I think is when it'll really hit me. But it is starting to kick in. I'm in London. It's it's incredible. Uh, it's a dream come true for me. So I'm just living life. Yeah. Well, thanks for having
5: us out here, man. Thanks so yeah. much. Good luck. Yeah,
8: thank you.
0: That was just a couple of days ago at Cobham with Chelsea and their team at training. Kyle, are you confident that we will see the Christian Pulisic that we see in a U.S. men's national team jersey as good as that in a Chelsea jersey?
5: I am, yeah. And um, it, it, it's not easy to say that. The calculus, when you think about him succeeding, it's an incredible challenge. And, and when you think of the likes of you know, Mo Salah and, and Kevin De Bruyne and others who have come recently with expectations that aren't as high as the ones on the shoulder of this 20 year old. Um, you know, that wasn't failure for them. They went on and showed the talent that they are. But there's the sense that, especially back in the States, uh, he, he is playing for opening the door for every talented American player behind him. And Clint Dempsey felt the same sort of pressure, and Michael Bradley felt the same sort of pressure, and, you know, Tim Howard and and Brad Friedel, as goalkeepers and Casey Keller, felt that same pressure, but nothing like what's on the shoulders of this talented player. And the, the reason I think he's going to succeed is he's good enough. I, I've been following him for a long time, watching him closely, playing in front of the yellow wall, you know, the fans at Dortmund, playing in Champions League against super clubs. You know, he, he has performed where the stakes are incredibly high. Now, th- this is the highest the stakes have ever been for him, but he has the character, the work ethic, and I think the belief in himself that favors, you know, it's sort of, is on that right line of cocky where he knows he can do it. Honestly, I don't think we're going to have to wait long to see. I I think we're going to see him at Old Trafford. And that is where uh, Frank Lampard should test him. And with the situation he has right now, he he can't wait very long to see what Christian can do.
0: In a funny way, Robbie, with a transfer ban, normally they might have bought two or three other huge big-name players, but Mm. he's the only sort of really new face in terms Mm. of um, a big-money player coming in. That adds the pressure, doesn't it?
6: Well, pressure. (laughs) I mean... It's going to be difficult. You know, it's going to be fascinating to see how he does. We know that Chelsea is a demanding football club. The fans of Chelsea are a demanding bunch of fans as well. Now, interesting, we sat down with Frank Lampard and had a good conversation about it, and we talked about Pulisic, and he said, I spoke to a lot of people, I watched a lot of film, we watched a lot of games of, of Pulisic, and after speaking to them, he's super impressed. He's a kind of quiet kid, but out there, he needs him to be big. And he said, let's remember, it was a big fee, and we need him to produce results and produce performances. So Frank Lampard is much better for Christian Pulisic than Mauricio Sarri. So there's going to be empathy. There's going to be some understanding for Frank Lampard. But that last comment made me think, wow, OK, this is Chelsea Football Club. I think Rob talked about the expectations of winning trophies. He's going to need to get off to a good start, Rebecca. And that's key. I think he will start at the weekend and he needs that enthusiasm, the excitement to to drive a good initial few performances that will help him gain credit and trust with the fans and the football
0: club in general. Okay, Robbie, thank you very much. I've got a bit of news for you. First of all, it's bad news if you're a Manchester City fan. They have just confirmed, City have, that Leroy Sane has damaged the ACL in his right knee. Uh, He picked up the injury in the Community Shield. He's undergone tests this week. Specialist doctors had a look to understand the extent of the injury. Um, We haven't yet got an update of when he'll be back but really bad news for City fans and for Leroy Sane uh, damaged his anterior cruciate ligament. Um, news from the Premier League themselves. Six deal sheets. I showed you them a little bit earlier on. This is the deal sheet. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you
5: take them yourself? I'm getting busy okay?
0: Sorry, I know. Carl is my messenger <laughs> via our researcher, Brandon. They're on the left wing. Um, this is the deal sheet um, that I showed you, which you have to give in to the Premier League by 5 o'clock British time, 12 noon Eastern in the US to say you've got a deal pending, basically, and we'll get you the paperwork. The Premier League say they've got six of these. So six deal sheets of it and that means that the clubs have until 2pm Eastern, 7 o'clock here in the UK, to get the deal done, which means we think we'll have quite a lot more news coming your way in the next two hours or so here on our Transfer Deadline Day special. Um, coming up next, after the break, Maurizio Pochettino has finally been allowed to get the checkbook out this summer. Who's in? Who's out at Spurs? Did they get Sesignon over the line? He could be one of those deal sheets. It's coming next.
8: I think he's looking at other big clubs and saying at the start of the season, I want to give myself a chance that my ability, my coaching and my tactics will give us a chance at closing the gap or getting close to winning some of that big silverware.
0: That was Mr Earl. And a reminder, you can get Robbie and Robbie's latest thoughts on the Premier League's biggest headlines with the Two Robbies podcast, and you can listen to new episodes every week for free on Apple Podcasts. We're going to move on to Tottenham now, who, of course, finished fourth last season, got to the Champions League final, ins and outs. So, Tongi Ndombele, big signing for them. $79 million Daniel Levy has spent uh, on him, coming in from Lyon. Jack Clark from Leeds United for $13 million. Uh, these are the five most notable players who they have let go this transfer window. And we know that Ryan Sessegnon, they're in for him from Fulham. We know they're in for Giovanni Lo Celso from Real Betis. They could be, we don't know, but they could be those deal sheets that have been handed into the Premier League to give Tottenham more time to get those deals done Neil Ashton. But finally, Tottenham have spent some money.
4: Spent some money. They're spending big as well, aren't they? Three players that they're bringing in who they believe will make a difference to their ambitions, their potential and what they can do in the Premier League this season. They've got a long way to go to catch, of course, Manchester City and Liverpool the top of the Premier League. But I think it's clear here that Daniel Levy, who wanted to restructure this club, that he wanted that new training ground which he's got, opened the stadium towards the end of last season that they're now operating under a different guidelines, different rules, and they've got money to spend on transfers. Mauricio Pochettino, of course, has always talked about how difficult it is to bring players in to convince them to come to Tottenham that they're operating with different budget budgetary constraints, well, that's very, very different now that Tottenham are in this stadium and they've got money to spend. I think part of that money, of course came in from their run to the Champions League final last season. An unexpected bonus, if you you like, because the financial resources of the club, it's absolutely huge. They're awash with cash because of that run to the Champions League final, which is why they've been able to spend so big in this transfer window. What I also think it does, it puts pressure on Pochettino, because is this team finished now? Of course, they sold Kieran Trippier in the summer to Atletico Madrid. Danny Rose in talks with Watford, but I think that deal is going to fall through. But is this the squad that can take Tottenham to the Premier League title? They must be very Very, very close now because Daniel Levy is an ambitious chairman. He's an ambitious owner of Tottenham and he would dearly love to see the Premier League title inside his new stadium with Tottenham players parading it.
0: Neil, no, thank you. They have spent big. Let's take a look, a look at the last four transfer windows. Of course, they went two without spending. Back in January 2018, they spent $35 million. They spent $92 million, But I can now tell you that graphic now, out of date, because Giovanni Lo Celso, I've just been told, has been confirmed from Real Bet East. I'll get you the figure exactly that will add on to that $92 million. Um, but for Tottenham fans, Robbie Musto... Oh, I'm just telling you, actually, Giovanni Lo Celso is a loan move from Real Betters with the option to buy. So at the moment, the 92 million stands, but that could uh, change Mm. in the months to come if they choose to take up that option, Robbie. If you're a Spurs fan, you're taking a sigh of relief because they've spent money. And are you happy with who they've bought?
6: Yes, absolutely happy. You know, we we get all these rumours and we we see who's moving and we go online and we check the videos and stuff and all that and some, uh, some games that they played in. Particularly, Ndombelli is going to make the midfield better. Celso, again, is a silky left footed player that plays in midfield, that can get forward. He's an attacking minded guy. Just ideal players for Spurs to make them better. And back to kind of Neil's point about Mauricio Pochettino. He talked about, Rebecca, this club needs to operate in a different way. This is exactly what he's talking about. These are better players. They're high value players. You know, we're all a bit worried about Spurs with the cost of the stadium. Were they going to invest in the football, in in the team, in the squad? They have done. And if you look at these two players, in particular the midfield boys, they will make Spurs a lot better in that area in terms of creativity for the likes of Lucas, Son and Harry Kane to get the goals.
0: Because, Carl, there have been moments this summer where Mauricio Pochettino hasn't come across as particularly happy with the way things are at Spurs in terms of who's in charge of transfers and who they're buying and who they're not buying and who's making that decision. So now, at least with these transfers, Spurs fans will probably feel a bit more relieved that Pochettino's going to be happier.
5: Yeah, I, ex- I definitely expect him to be happier. Um, and Don Belay, I think of all of them, plugs a need immediately. And, and obviously, you know, big money to bring him in, $79 million, And through preseason, he sat that, in that kind of old Dembele role that they've struggled to find someone that can break through the lines. It's a presence there. Uh, you know, whether Harry Winks or someone sits in that hole, he's been trying to restructure things in the center of the park and hasn't been giving money. So that'd be great. You know, Sassan Young, um, a very promising teenage player, but still unproven in, in the Premier League. Lo Celcio, exciting. But, you know, it, it, the thing that might cause Burr's fans to say, it's great that you spent money, but when you throw Dybala, when you throw these big names in there that could really move the needle and you, you're you're maybe kept with Ericsson, who said he wants to leave the club and go on for a new challenge. It's unfortunate because in a window where they have spent money, there is that little bit of feeling of, you know, do we have a player that doesn't want to be here and do we miss a
6: great player that Pochettino seemed like he could get?
0: Dybala seemed to be a nightmare situation in terms of image rights. I think that's what caused the problem with United uh, but, and with Spurs. But
6: it sounds like he was closer to go to Spurs, which yeah. doesn't yeah. say much about Manchester United. It sounds like he was really close to go to Spurs. If you brought, would have brought him in with these other Ooh. names, then that's a stunning window. But uh, maybe, good he's good maybe he's on one of those sheets. You never know. Yes. Maybe he's on the deal (laughs) sheet that we're yet to get from the Premier League.
0: Ryan Sessegnon, if he does sign and we should get confirmation of that, will be on a five-year deal, the 19-year-old from Fulham. Up to the newsroom and Tuala.
1: Thanks, Rebecca. Now, the Christian Eriksen situation is interesting mm. because the uh, transfer window slams shut on the continent a little bit later, doesn't it? The yeah. 2nd of September mm. around Europe, so there's still a possibility that he could get yeah. the dream move that he wants. Uh, he says also it's not necessarily negative if he stays. There was a dalliance with Manchester United earlier yeah. this week. What's your reading of the Christian Eriksen situation? But if one of the really big boys, I'm talking about Madrid, Barcelona or Juventus,
8: come, I think we might see him leaving British clubs in the Premier League, I don't think that will happen. Christian Eriksen is a Category A footballer. And I think now what Spurs, Pochettino, Daniel Levy have to do is convince him that this journey has still got some way to go. Fourth in the league last year, Champions League final, Ndombele, Lo quality players are coming into the football club. Could they convince Christian Eriksen to sign, to stay, at the prime of his career to be a key man to take Spurs in that new stadium? to some silverware. That's the challenge.
1: And it's now the final year of his contracts. He could walk away technically for free, Graham, couldn't he, next summer. But uh, is he the sort of mm. character... And We've met him at our pitchside side desk a couple of times. Yeah. Mm. Is he the sort of character that's going to mope around because he didn't get the move he wanted? No, not at mm. all. I think, I think he holds all the cards because of
7: that he's in his final year. Mm. So they either get rid of him before the European transfer window closes, so generally sort of end of August, beginning of September... Or they've got to try and get him to sign a new deal, I think, mm. And, mm. and try and keep him there for a bit longer. Because without a replacement for him, I think I think they 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 lose quality in that yeah. in that key area. For me, over the last two seasons, he's been the one I felt that if he produced his full potential, really stepped up, he could have been the difference. You know, he's had two very good seasons, but just that next level. And I think that's where the Dybala... Replacement would have been mm. really exciting for them as a as a club Spurs and for the fans in particular.
1: Record signing. The chats yeah. have, uh, have touched on it. Tongi and uh seventy nine million dollars. From what you've seen so far, and before it, Leon. What does he bring? Whoever's putting these videos to, together, <laughs> I've got to
8: tell you, he can do everything. He can put his foot in, which Spurs need now and then. Sometimes people say, oh, they're a little bit soft. He can play, he can get forward, he can make goals, he can score goals. He's an all-action midfield footballer who will be a better player having, having the coaching of Pochettino. That's how good Pochettino is. This guy's a top player. Two areas of
7: concern, goalkeeper and right-back. Okay. I think they're the two areas for Spurs where I'd be a little bit worried.
1: OK, so, Rebecca, I think we've confirmed one deal sheet, five to go.
0: That's all for part one of our Transfer Deadline Day special. Be sure to check out part two next and don't miss out on Premier League mornings on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN. I'm Rebecca Lowe. Bye for now.